When the great saints talk about the spiritual life, they often uh, divide it into three sections, and they do that in various ways, and obviously, Holy Trinity, three is a good number. Um, But that struck me this weekend because I think our three readings sort of do that. Uh, Abraham, this story from Abraham at least, exemplifies the beginning of the spiritual Christian life. Uh, God basically says, get out of your parents' basement and do something. <laughs> and sometimes we overcomplicate what it means to, to, to start. God doesn't tell him exactly what to do. He just says, go out. Go on the adventure and I will show you where to go. And it's really easy to get stuck like, well, you know, maybe I want to start or I want to take the next step, but I don't know what to do. It's like, well, the first thing is to not actually worry about what to do. It's it's to like jump in. And God tells that to Abraham uh, and that he'll show him the way. And sure enough, he does. It also highlights something that In order for Abraham to do that, he had to leave the land of his kinsfolk and the land of his father. In other words, he had to leave that which was comfortable. And maybe that's why uh, we don't take the next step or we don't set out in the first place is because it's hard to leave things that are comfortable. But that's why, notice, Abraham gets the title Our Father in Faith. Because by an act of faith... He left that which was comfortable knowing that God would give him something better. And so maybe there's some among us who find themselves in that place this morning. We would like to kind of set out, but we're kind of in a comfortable place and we're maybe we're not sure what to do. Well, just start. Just go out. And God will show you the way. And in faith, know that the Lord will give you something far better than whatever you're leaving behind. And then in the second stage, maybe after we've set out, St. Paul tells us, bear your share of hardship for the gospel. There's going to be suffering. Abraham goes through a heck of a lot before he gets his reward. But the interesting thing is, we uh, maybe sometimes think we can avoid suffering when we know we can't. Like there's going to be suffering either way, whether, you, whether we set out on that Christian journey or not. But Paul's saying we have the dignity of suffering for the gospel, for a reason, for people we love. And he says, with the strength that comes from God. We suffer with the strength that comes from God. Our suffering is different. And Paul hammers that again and again and again. It's essential to the journey, but it's different. It's for the gospel, right? He has this weird line, make up for the suffer- what's lacking in the suffering of Christ. <laughs> it's not that Christ was lacking. But it's that to finally receive the gift that God wants to give, he purifies us through suffering. For the gospel and with the strength that comes from God. It's kind of funny, right? During Lent, we inflict penances on ourselves, like voluntarily. And maybe you, you know, you want that 
piece of cake or that drink or whatever, and you don't do it, and you're like, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. And you're like, why don't I do that with actual sufferings in my daily life? I can do it with cake, but not with the things that God gives me each day. That's a challenge for us. Do I do that with the real sufferings I have in my life? Do I say no and experience the kind of the joy of, of having denied myself? And the reason that that, that that experience of suffering ties in with the third part, which is the gospel today, the transfiguration. Leading up to this, Jesus has been telling his disciples again and again, I'm going to suffer I'm going to be handed over to men. I'm going to die. And the disciples are having a really hard time accepting that. In fact, right before this is when Peter says, Lord, that'll never happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Right? They can't accept that Jesus is going to uh, go through his passion. And so in a sense, this whole theme of the transfiguration, this whole reality, is just assuring the disciples, your sufferings and my sufferings will be worth it. That in the end there will be glory. And that's why he shows that to them even before he dies. Because they don't get it. He wants to put their hearts at ease. He's telling his disciples, yeah, I'm going to suffer and die, but I'm going to be raised. It'll be worth it. Your sufferings will be worth it. My sufferings will be worth it. And I know I, I talked about this last week with uh, Jesus being tempted in the desert, but it's just, it's this theme that's really been on my heart that all that we forsake will be given by God. All that we forsake will be given by God. Jesus gives up his life and God gives him life. Abraham sets out, leaves his family, and God makes him a father of nations. He's willing to kill his son Isaac, and God gives him back as a gift. All that we suffer will be given by God. And so, what is it in your life that you fear to lose? What is it in your life that you cling to? Where's the place where I don't necessarily trust that God will provide for me here. There's a beautiful part in the gospel, everyone, that after this whole scene happens, right? Jesus transfigures, the Father says, this is my beloved Son. The disciples are terrified. (laughs) They're terrified. And Jesus comes and he says, he touches them and says, rise, do not be afraid. Maybe setting off like Abraham seems like too much. Maybe the sufferings we have to bear for the gospel seem like too much. Maybe the radical trust that God will give us all that we forsake is too much. And Jesus is saying, rise. Do not be afraid. Already this early in Lent, Jesus is telling us the cross is not the end. There's going to be glory. There's going to be glory. Do not be afraid. He will not disappoint.